Hi there, it's Julia Louis-Dreyfus. You may know me from my podcast called Wiser Than Me, where I talk to older women and get their wisdom from the front lines of life. I was amazed by how many people told me our show made them look forward to getting older, which is why I'm here to talk about season two of the show. Sally Field, Billie Jean King, Beverly Johnson, Ina Garten, Bonnie Ray, just to name a few. All hail old women. Wiser Than Me season two is out now from Lemonada Media. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. This is the John Fugelsang Podcast. This is Sirius XM Progress. I'm John Fugelsang. This is Tell Me Everything, the little show that could bring in good trouble to the right-wing bubble. I hope you had a great week. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope our democracy survives all this pleasure and comedy. But welcome to Sirius XM Progress, where history gets made at night. That's pretty catchy, Chris. I like it. Not usually. Maybe tonight. Maybe not. We'll find out. Guys, it's two years since January 6th. And honestly, two years after that terrorist assault on our Capitol, I'm just so grateful that selfish, ignorant, petulant, right-wing fascists can no longer throw our capital into chaos anymore. What a day. Wow. Uh, McCarthy has now lost 13 votes for Speaker. Finally came in first in the 13th, but it wasn't good enough. And this is on a day when Matt Schlapp and Rudy Giuliani have both been accused of sexual misconduct. Folks, my popcorn wants popcorn. Um, And we have a great show planned for you tonight. Eric Ward of Western State Center is going to be here to talk about, well, what the hell is going on with Congress. Uh, later on, I'm very excited to welcome Trevor Higgins from the Center for American Progress. He's going to be here to talk about all of the amazing things in the Inflation Reduction Act that actually take effect this year, because why not have some stories in the midst of all this mishigas about the good things government can do when they want to? All that plus your calls all night at 866-997-4748. I'm going to be performing uh, two weeks from tomorrow at the Phillipstown Depot Theater in Garrison. I'm friends with one of the owners, and I'm excited to be going there and trying out some new stuff in a cabaret setting. So if you're in the Hudson Valley area, come on down. Uh, You can get the tickets and all that on my website or my Twitter or whatever you got. Uh, Big thanks to our producers, Chris Hauselt and Thea Harper. Not only are they the best producers to work with, uh, not only... So they have to put up with me. Not only does Thea get to go on a well-deserved vacation next week, uh, I got sick last night. I got violently ill, and they were wonderful and got the great Joe Sudbay to come and fill in. Our guests showed up, and I want to thank everybody. It is so nice to work at a broadcast outfit where if there is a sudden illness, and don't worry, I'm not pregnant, but everyone snapped into full effect, and uh, we were able to have a great show. Joe Sudbay. I mean, isn't it nice having Joe, having like a real broadcaster on once in a while? It must be great for you guys. So... Now let's just get to the... He's really good, right? Yeah. And it's it's a real letdown for you. Now you're back with this. I'm sorry. Mm. It was um, like a monthly shower. It's what is it? I just felt fresh. Yeah, he has that effect, right? You just feel like a like like daisy metaphors. I understand, Chris. I'm, I'm sorry that with me, it's more of a 
it's not really fresh, is it? It's more of a more of a crusty thing, um, kind of moist maybe, but not in a, like cold moist. Yeah. And, and yeah. yeah, I'm sorry, scabby maybe. Yeah, pungent as well. I've been I've been told. Uh, that's one of the reasons why I have to do the show remotely. All right, so let's get into it. We are for the next three hours at 866-997-4748. We want to hear from you, especially if you're someone who's tried to get through all week and hasn't been able to. I'm sorry, the phones have been a bit tied up. And remember one thing, Kevin McCarthy, Matt Gates, Lauren Boebert, Marjorie Taylor Greene, and Paul Gosar, they might all be hating each other now, but they all share the same pre-existing sedition. Now, the house is in recess until 10 p.m. Eastern Time, 7 p.m. on the Pacific Coast. Not in 164 years has the House of Representatives seen more than 13 rounds of voting for Speaker of the House. And the results of the 13th round, uh, Kevin McCarthy finally won, even though he still lost. But he got the most votes, 214. Hakeem Jeffries, 212, which he's gotten all 13 rounds. Others, six. Six Republican holdouts remain against Kevin McCarthy. He has made deals. He has chipped away at his own power. He has degraded himself. He has revealed himself to be a moral vagrant. And he's won back a number of votes, but he's given up almost all the power. He'll have a speaker just to hold the gavel and have an office and have a title. It's like the guy doesn't care about governing. We know that. He just wants the title on his biography and resume. Because again, he's not a rich guy. If he bails on this, a loser, it's going to be harder to get a legalized bribery lobbyist job. But for the fourth day in a row, Lil' Kevin has still found the speakership elusive. And because nobody can be sworn in until a speaker is chosen, your Congress is paralyzed. Your Congress can't pass legislation. It can't craft legislation. Your Congress can't process its own payroll. Congress can't have briefings. 14 hardline Republicans were voting against this guy. And they flipped. On the 12th vote, the six holdouts remain, and those six are <laughs> the crypto-fascist caucus, Andy Biggs of Arizona, Lauren Boebert of Colorado, Eli Crane of Arizona, Matt Gates from Florida, Bob Good from Virginia, and Matt Rosendale in Montana. Yeah, he got Paul Gosar to flip. He, he got one of the most far-right racist crackpots to flip, and now Paul Gosar is being called a rhino. <laughs> but Kevin McCarthy needs to grovel harder to two out of the six remaining holdouts, to win the speaker's gavel. They have recessed, and they're going to come back about 45 minutes from the time we're broadcasting live. We will let you know what happens in this dumpster fire clown car amateur hour shit show congressional GOP. That's my Dr. Seuss book, the dumpster fire clown car amateur hour shit show congressional GOP. You see, before this week again in the House, they had not seen a failed speaker vote for 100 years, and now it's happened 13 times. Still no speaker. The Constitution doesn't really give any guidance on how to choose a speaker. So the House has to keep on voting and negotiating and voting and negotiating. And by negotiating, I mean groveling and giving up the farm until somebody, somebody, which might not be McCarthy, could win over a majority. Again, he, he won over 14 members who've been opposing him for the first 11 votes. Dan Bishop of North Carolina, or, uh, Andrew Clyde of Georgia, Josh Breshin of Oklahoma, Michael Cloud of Texas, right? A bunch of guys you never heard of because they'll be in Congress for years and never do anything of significance. Congressman Byron Donalds of Florida, who we've talked about, he's got a wonderful record. You should look up his what he's famous for. He had been nominated by the defecting Republicans in previous ballots, but he defected back and voted for McCarthy today. Uh, Matt Gates. 
voted for Jim Jordan. It's a great time to be alive, isn't it? The, the guy being investigated for underage sex trafficking nominated the guy accused of covering up sexual abuse at Ohio State to be Speaker of the House. And again, friends, these Republicans, the Gates, Gobert, the, the, the whole Gobert, the Bobert caucus, they're using the Speaker vote as a fundraising stunt in this dumpster fire, clown car, shit show, amateur hour, balls up, bad acid, Michigas, hot mess, foobar, circle jerk, snafu, fiasco, congressional GOP. You know, remember all those corporations came out a few years ago and pledged not to give any money anymore to any election deniers? Remember how good that felt? And they came out very proudly after the terrorist attack on our Capitol two years ago today. And that's what it was. Again, I hate to keep on sounding like a broken record, but it met every definition in the dictionary of terrorism. It was using violence or the threat of violence to bring about a change in political policy. Well, turns out Politico did a little study and uh, the 147 members of Congress who voted to throw out the election results have received collectively $10 million from the corporations that promised to never give any money to election deniers. And no one's going to pay a price for that. Now, again, our Congress is a mess, and it's going to stay a mess. Lawmakers don't have clearance to take briefings with intelligence they, they, or, or military or administration officials on a whole array of sensitive issues. Now, they do have another path. I mean, there's another way they could get this thing wrapped up tonight. It probably wouldn't happen. But if they wanted to, they could change the voting system to just allow a plurality, meaning whoever has the most votes but not necessarily a majority can win. They can do that now because Hakeem Jeffries isn't getting the most votes anymore. But even though Kevin McCarthy now has the most votes for the first time in 13 tries, it's still not a plurality because of those six. That's how tight control of the House is. So they can change the balloting system to a secret ballot. They can do that right away. Or there's other you know, revisions they can do to the process, but they're not going to do it because they know no matter what, Democrats will still vote for Hakeem Jeffries of New York. And the Republican McCarthy defectors aren't going to support any kind of change. And the Matt Gaetzes aren't going to change their vote if it's a secret ballot. But don't forget, Kevin McCarthy has agreed to everything they want. He's agreed to hold the entire U.S. economy hostage for right-wing cuts to Social Security and Medicare. That's what this is going to be about. That's what he's going to agree to. He has handed control of your House of Representatives, this mook, this hump, I'd like to call him an amateur, but he's not. He belongs in D.C. He's made of swamp. And he's handed control of your House of Representatives to the hard-right authoritarian minority that brought you the insurrection. That was shut down at the ballot box in 2020, shut down at the ballot box in 2022. He is willing to force you, the American taxpayer, to accept far-right extremism, controlling the entire Congress, just so he can be speaker. And this comes on a day when the unemployment rate has hit the lowest level in 50 years. <laughs> it's kind of amazing to think about. This is, this is the Republican Party in just the last 24 hours. You had House members gather today to mark the second anniversary of January 6th. Only one Republican member showed up. Not spoke. No Republican spoke. Only one Republican member of the entire Congress, House or Senate showed up. You got Brian Kilmeade, my old buddy on Fox and Friends, um, who called the Freedom Caucus members voting against McCarthy insurrectionists. 
<laughs> you got Sean Hannity attacking Lauren Boebert. That was kind of beautiful. Uh, you got the Stop the Steal guy, Ali Alexander. He's now threatening to release evidence that Marjorie Taylor Greene committed a crime that will get her expelled from Congress, and he publicly called Representative Greene a whore. Yes, I know. I expected so much more from him. You got um, Nancy Mace. Remember her? She's had a rough day. Federal judges in South Carolina just struck down their first congressional district because it was illegally racially gerrymandered. The federal judges in South Carolina ruled it has to be redrawn in the next few months so it won't discriminate anymore against black voters. And guess what? That's the seat that Congresswoman Nancy Mace narrowly flipped in 2020. She's not having a good day by this, and she's very upset. She called Matt Gates a fraud and a D-lister. She said D-lister Matt Gates's ego was on full display today. He's going to screw around and get another Pelosi elected speaker. <laughs> I mean, guys... This is just the last 24 hours. And on top of it, Rudolph Giuliani has been sued for sexual harassment by a former staffer who claims to have had a long personal relationship with him as an underling. That's beautiful. And a male staffer from the Herschel Walker campaign says he was groped by Matt Schlapp. Yeah. Just another day in this dumpster fire, clown car, shit show, amateur hour, balls up, badass, admission hot mess, foobar, circle jerk, snafu, fiasco, cock up, train wreck, debacle, goat rodeo, clusterfuck hellscape, crypto fascist dick dance that is the modern congressional GOP. We want to know what you guys think, and for the next three hours, we'll be coming at you coast-to-coast live and interactive at 866-997-4748. Are you sick of it, or... Or is this good for democracy? Here's my unpopular opinion. What you're witnessing now is good for democracy because A, a lot of people are paying attention to how the procedure works. My God, the ratings on C-SPAN this week. It's astonishing. People are leaning in. It's like we paid more attention to politics during the pandemic because we were locked at home with our TVs. People are paying attention to what's happening. Young kids in high school and college are learning a lot from this ongoing debacle miniseries. But it's also better than that. Look, this is the threat to our democracy, right? The seditionists. I mean, the insurrectionists, the terrorists, whatever you want to call them. They campaign against government, but they love government. Government's how they get power. Government's how they get their eventual cushy lobbying jobs. Government's how they reward the donors who own them and dictate their beliefs and values. They love government. They hate democracy. They hate one person, one vote. I mean, not this week. Six of them are having a blast voting this week. But what does it lead to? I, I think it leads to the fact that our best hope is that this Republican majority in the House of Representatives is completely dysfunctional for the next two years. Not so much so that we can't get basic legislation passed like funding our government. But guys, I, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm big in favor of letting this shit show continue. So more and more people become embarrassed. It is not the party of Lincoln anymore. It is not the party of Eisenhower. It is not even the party of quail. It's sad. It's like watching a a bad guy's pets die. Not cool. So what do you think is going to happen? Can any good come from this? Is this really as bad for the country and bad for democracy and bad for our image around the world as everyone says? I kind of think after, you know, Bush, then Obama, then Trump, then Biden, the, the rest of the world knows we have some dicks here and they have some power. And there's good people who keep fighting and beating the dicks, but the dicks keep winning and it goes back and forth. I think the rest of the world knows. But what does it mean? Can good come from this? Will good come from this? I'm sorry. I think it will. And not just because it's really fun to watch. 
I want to play you from earlier at the House of Representatives. Here is Congressman James Clyburn reminding his colleagues that the world, as well as the history books, will be watching. The eyes of the country are on us today. Let us consider what they will remember. I often refer to this hall as America's classroom. The proceedings we undertake in this body and our actions should serve as lessons for those who may be watching and are listening. Hopefully, that which they see and hear will help them gain understanding and appreciation for the greatness of America and the goodness of the American people. This body has a unique role in this government. What we do and how we do it will determine whether our pursuit toward a more perfect union can continue in earnest. Now, for the 12th time, Democrats gave a standing ovation for their speaker nominee, Hakeem Jeffries, the new Democratic Party leader from the state of New York. In um, this speech that Clyburn gave, he really framed the moment as another one that's testing the ethical core of our democracy. He said exactly two years ago today, our resolve was tested when a violent mob of insurrectionists attacked our capital, threatened the integrity of democracy, and undermined our Constitution. He said the greatness of this country and the resiliency of our democracy were put at risk, but we survived. And then, <laughs> then Congressman Mike Garcia of the great state of California uh, had to go take a swipe at Democrats for all that annoying unity they were showing in the face of chaos. Now to my Democrat colleagues across the aisle, I, I want to make sure you understand and make no mistake, we are in fact on the verge of a very important victory. A victory for the people, a victory by the people, and most importantly, a victory for the future of our nation. And it dawns on me as I look across the aisle after being here for nearly three years that I haven't had the pleasure of meeting many of you because you've chosen to stay home and not vote here in person, electing instead to proxy vote. is reminded to direct his remarks to the chair. Well, it's a, it's a pleasure to see 212 of you here today. It's also a pleasure to see the end of the proxy voting. And let me, let me end with this. Let me end with this. I'm extremely proud of my colleagues on this side of the aisle. The last, the last four days, they haven't been ideal. They've been difficult. But I do see fighters. I see patriots who love this country and want to make things better. I, I see folks who are willing to do whatever is necessary to ensure that we better serve the nation. Boom. <laughs> do you feel like the nation's being better served? I mean, does, does this four days of not doing the people's work because you've cultivated a Frankenstein monster, several Frankenstein monsters. And the thing it is, the thing about creating a Frankenstein monster is it usually finds a mad scientist it likes better. Have you noticed this? The monster usually turns on you. I mean, the right wing and Fox News spent years cultivating this low information voting base, and they eventually gave up on the GOP and went for Donald Trump. Kevin McCarthy enables every one of these white supremacist, corrupt little fleece flockers. And of course, now 
he is paying <laughs> for exactly what he ordered. Now Kevin McCarthy is paying the price for enabling the Matt Gateses of the world and the Lauren Boberts. He donated money to her campaign and helped her win by 500 votes. <laughs> so M- Mike Garcia gave that snotty little speech about how you Democrats all suck and we're good and you're bad. And then America's sweetheart Matt Gates took the mic and took a swipe at snotty little Mike Garcia. Why? Because he supported Kevin McCarthy. I mean, this is civil war. Give a listen. My colleague from California, Mr. Garcia, knows the incredibly high regard I hold him in. He is a patriot. I deeply, deeply admire him. But I must take some exception with some of the comments he made in his nomination of Mr. McCarthy. First, he said that Mr. McCarthy has earned the position. You only earn the position of Speaker of the House if you can get the votes. Mr. McCarthy doesn't have the votes today. He will not have the votes tomorrow, and he will not have the votes next week, next month, next year. And so one must wonder, Madam Clerk, is this an exercise in vanity for someone who has done the math, taken the counts, and is putting this institution through something that absolutely is avoidable? My colleague, Mr. Garcia, did not say this, but many of my other Republican colleagues have. They believe that Mr. McCarthy has earned the position of Speaker of the House because he raised half a billion dollars to get Republicans elected. not to engage in personalities against other members of the House. Now, what you just heard was Kevin McCarthy's failure. Kevin McCarthy's failure to get the insurrectionists controlled. What you just heard and what you've witnessed all week is living, breathing, posturing proof that Donald Trump still controls this chamber, that the chaos is the method, That all they want to do is create chaos and audition for their Fox News and Newsmax gigs. They are not interested in governing and it's not going to change. The media keeps saying this descent into chaos at the Republican Congress. There has been no descent. This is exactly how they've been. They maybe have gotten a little worse since Gingrich took over, but it's been a very steady, very mappable decline. So 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 this is how it's going to be. And it doesn't matter who the speaker is going to be. It will continue to be this way. But you got to remember what you're witnessing here in the Congress is a microcosm of what we're witnessing in America at school board meetings around the country, in libraries, uh, in gay bars, the mean, angry, dumb part of America. I call them the illiterati. They've been getting stronger and stronger and more powerful. It's like the dumbest, ugliest, most racist parts of the comment section have come to life. And now they're not just calling C-SPAN. They're running for office and getting elected. This chaos will hurt Americans. This chaos will continue. Will the Democratic Party be able to take advantage of it and use it to their advantage to help pass more legislation helping working people? Well, when we come back, I'm so thrilled to welcome Eric Ward back to the show. He's executive vice president at Race Ford and senior advisor to the Western State Center to talk about exactly this. We'll be taking your calls all evening at 866-997-4748. This is Sirius XM Progress. We'll be right back. 
CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. This episode is brought to you by Philo. Do you love TV? Do you love saving money? Then Philo is your solution. Philo has shows, movies, and live TV for just $25 a month. You can even try it for free with their seven-day free trial. No contracts, no commitments, no hassles, just a better way to watch TV. Never miss a minute of shows like the hit docuseries Where is Wendy Williams or classics such as Friends. If you can't get enough TV, then there's no better way to watch. Philo has more than 70 channels like BET, MTV, and AMC. And the best part? You can try it yourself with their seven-day free trial. Sign up today at philo.tv slash poppods. That's P-H-I-L-O dot TV slash P-O-P-P-O-D-S to get 50% off your first month. Welcome back. Members of Congress met this morning on the Capitol steps for a ceremony to mark the two-year anniversary of the terrorist attack against our Capitol. Two years ago today, House Democratic leader Jeffries led the group. They held 140 seconds of silence, one second for each Capitol police officer who was beaten up in some way, defending the building against supporters of Donald Trump. And the group today was almost completely Democrats and family members of officers who died in the days after the insurrection. No Republicans spoke at the event. Only one Republican House member showed up. And how fitting for the anniversary of the January 6th attack on the Capitol to fall at the end of a week when extreme elements showed just how much power they still have on the inside of our Capitol. Please never forget, we talk a lot about the thugs and MAGA hats who tried to illegally overthrow our democracy that day. We don't talk enough about the thugs and bad suits who tried to legally overthrow our democracy in the Capitol that night. So I'm always thrilled to get Eric Ward here. He's executive vice president at Race Ford, senior advisor to the Western States Center, one of the nation's premier extremism watchdog groups. They just released a, an amazing new toolkit for librarians and local communities on how to defend democracy and how to how to resist the growing efforts on the local level to end LGBTQ programming, to ban books related to LGBTQ experience or the African-American experience, and to pretty much just undermine any sane discussions about what racial justice looks like or what it even means. And the toolkit uh, came out just a couple days ago ahead of the anniversary. It is a great pleasure to welcome back Eric Ward of Western States Center. Hello, sir. Happy New Year. John, Happy New Year. It is good to be with you today. It's a pleasure to be back. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Uh, you know, every time I talk to you, sir, it's always amazing how you connect the dots and everything we're talking about and all of this from from what's happening at local school boards to the insurrectionists at our capital to the insurrectionists within our capital. It's it's all connected. And I've been dying to ask you how you have felt watching this battle for the House speaker position all week long. Absolutely. I mean, what we are watching is the triumph of Trumpism and what it looks like without Donald Trump. And, uh, 
each of us should be deeply concerned about what this will now mean for our families, the uh, economy, and American democracy. As we have watched all week, what I would call the good and bad cop uh, charade, what we should understand is that the Republican Party is seeking to do what it could not do two years ago, which was to undermine American democracy. Two years ago, we saw the insurrection take place outside the Capitol. And today we are watching the insurrection take place inside the Capitol itself. We're watching, in short, the culmination of a strategy by Steve Bannon to disrupt and completely subjugate the Republican Party. And why we should be frightened about this is what we are seeing is a small group of Republicans, a small minority of Republicans, who now have control over one of the two parties of the United States. The constitutional crisis that began on January 6th uh, uh, still remains. We're watching it in the Capitol. But as you said, John, it has been playing out uh, around the country for the last two years in local communities. It has been. And I, I do want to talk about that because I, we always discuss how politics is is local and your local elections matter a lot more than who's president. But boy, the white nationalists have figured that out. But before I even get into there, can you unpack the good cop, bad cop metaphor all week? Because I, I kind of love it. And it certainly has grown. And it's been very strange seeing, well, the kind of uh, unlikely bedfellows that this conflict has brought about. That's right. So so we have to remember, I think, three core strategies of MAGA extremists. And the, the, the three strategies are to, to dominate the narrative. And this is what we're watching this week in the two-year anniversary of January 6th at a moment where the Department of Justice is uh, uh, perhaps examining charges against Donald Trump himself, as lawsuits are being filed against Donald Trump. Uh, uh, as we watch now, uh, I believe over uh, uh, 950 people who have now been charged in the Jap- uh, January 6th Capitol riot. What we have this week is the GOP seeking to completely disrupt that narrative. And the second piece is to exhaust the American public, to, to tire it out. If you, you notice, even as this has happened, news stations around the country have stopped caring the live coverage, most people have turned away. Uh, They see this as uh, a political theater and it's taken away from the very real issues that are at stake. And the third is this, ultimately the insurrectionist and that influence faction within the Freedom House Caucus doesn't care whether it controls the House speakership or not. It understands the reality that like McCarthy, it also needs all but four votes from income from the incoming Republican House caucus to successfully put forward a compromise speaker. I believe that we are seeing an emerging strategy take hold among MAGA extremists, that one does not need to destroy the Democratic Party to destroy democracy in America. They merely need to collapse the party they already have influence within. The outcome is still the same, a one-party state. And any place around the world, a one-party state is considered to be an authoritarian regime, regardless of which party runs it. Exactly. It's, it's been hard to try to understand, though, 
what their end game is. Is it just about another speaker? It does seem that the chaos is the point. This is Trumpism 101 and this this endless gish gallop of consternation and and frenzy uh, certainly allows them to get away with a lot. But it, it does sort of beg the question, what do these six people want at this point? And who would be acceptable to them? I don't believe for a second they actually want any of the people they've been nominating. No, um, uh, they don't. I, again, the, the goal is to exhaust the American public, uh, um, to make them turn away from the Republican control of, of the House. Uh, and they've exhausted us within the, the first week. Uh, the second is to exert their power over the rest of the Republican Party. And in this, they have been very effective this week. They have forced Kevin McCarthy, who is uh, 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 an extremist himself, also a person who did not show up on the mm -hmm. second anniversary of January 6th, right? In, in order to remember those law enforcement officers who were injured, the, the attempted takeover of the Capitol, the threats against elected officials. Uh, uh, he is not that far off, but they are exerting that they will, these six individuals will exert their influence over the Republican Party. And that, uh, like on the streets of America, at any point that they don't get their way, that the process that is set out doesn't work for them. They will destroy the process and uh, they're willing to destroy the Republican Party if that's what it takes. It seems they are. And I'm wondering, I mean, how well funded can their donors be? I, I just it's it's a delight to make fun of them. Uh, it's a delight to point out all the hypocrisy of these swamp dwellers accusing other people. I mean, it's all just a, a bribery jamboree. But it, it I, I just I, I don't see I, I still can't see the end game for these six. Yeah. The, the end game is is really uh, uh, we should know. Right. The, the end game is not ultimately to to choose the speaker. It's right. to exert fluence over the speaker uh, and to create the rules change that will allow them to collapse the the speakership uh, uh, at, at any time. It, it is pure power. It right. is uh, it's not a disagreement. Right between McCarthy and and these six, around where they would like this country to end up, and the weakening of American democracy, it's merely a debate over who gets to lead that, and that's ultimately right. what is the sequencing, of that. and that's what we're watching play out right now. And that is the dangerous part of all of this that we're looking at. You know, Kevin McCarthy essentially making deals with far-right insurrectionists who, under the 13th Amendment, none of them should be allowed to hold office anymore. I mean, some of these are people who actually sought pardons from Donald Trump. And essentially, we're seeing the entire economy on the verge of being held hostage for, it seems, spending cuts, education, health care, Social Security, Medicare. I mean, shutting down the government itself. We, we keep hearing these extremists every generation talk about shutting down health care, talk about cutting Medicare. Donald Trump put it in his own budget as the president. But it seems like Kevin McCarthy is really willing to let that happen, including a government shutdown, just for the sake of having a powerless figurehead position where he owns a gavel and is pretty much a slave to his own underlings. That's right. Uh, control of the party over the interests of, of the country and capitulation to, to the most extreme. And this has been 
the Republican Party's uh, uh, tendency for the last four decades. Uh, uh, it did this when the uh, Christian coalition uh, uh, inserted and attempted to take control uh, of the Republican Party. It did so again uh, in the Tea Party uh, uh, militia era. And right. we are seeing it again today with uh, um, uh, the insurrectionist uh, a coalition that includes white nationalists. At, at the end of the day, the Republican Party refuses to stand up against those who seek to subvert democracy. And at the end of the day, their justification is, is to remain in power uh, uh, at any cost. And I just can't imagine, though, that Kevin McCarthy at the age of 14 thought that he would grow up someday to hold the same position, historical position, as, as Neville Chamberlain. That's right? Uh, uh, we are in historic moment where he has a choice point and he has chosen uh, uh, his own individual profession over the best interests of the country. And in fairness, uh, he's also choosing to be never Neville Chamberlain when it comes to stopping the authoritarian armies slaughtering civilians in Ukraine. He's really willing to pull a full on Chamberlain and just give the bad man some land and hope he behaves after that. That's exactly right. It's, it's exactly right. And it's why it's important. Uh, uh, we should know there's still things we can do in this moment. And it's important. I'll, I'll just say this, if nothing else, it's important for all of us to speak up right now in any way we can. This Republican Party uh, that has been taken over uh, uh, is arguing on national television every morning and every night uh, uh, on major stations that it represents the majority of Americans and the majority of Americans have to be clear uh, vocally so that this party does not represent the best interests of Americans, nor does it represent us as individuals. And Eric, do you feel that the media is somewhat at fault here as well? I mean, we want to see sane Republicans stand up and call out white nationalism. But, you know, I look at January 6th and, and I see white nationalism, white supremacy all over it in service of a president who launched his campaign by claiming the first black president wasn't really one of us. We saw people commit acts of violence in our capital. We saw for the first time ever the Confederate flag carried victoriously into our capital. And it was all in service of essentially throwing out predominantly urban voting districts in Arizona and Pennsylvania. What shocked me the most is how the media has failed to talk about the racism inherent in the entire insurrection. That's right. We, we should understand that uh, part of the insurrection has been the subversion of, of the vote, uh, the ability of Americans to, to cast their votes, uh, uh, providing access. And uh, this is part of the, the power grab uh, uh, in the United States, the attempt to, to subvert the gains of the 1960s uh, civil rights movement. And uh, the media... Um, uh, uh, that is covering this, uh, uh, often is covering it as uh, interesting horse race, uh, as if it's something that's happening inside the GOP rather than something that's happening uh, uh, to our country. Yes, after six years of uh, uh, irresponsible Republican leadership, it may feel fun to sit back and to roll your eyes and and to laugh at the inability 
of the Republican Party to to move forward together. But but we should understand at the end of the day, it will cut the deal with its with the extremist within its party to to move forward as it has every other time. And we should be talking about the implications that that will have on the American people, whether we're talking about their new economic austerity plan, which will result in job loss, which will put more American families at risk, whether we are talking about the dismantling, the further dismantling of, of the Federal Ethics Commission within Congress, which, which oversees ethic violations, right? These are the things that they're distracting us from. And it's the job of the media uh, to make sure we are focused on the real risk to our democracy. I'm curious what your take has been on media, namely Fox News, and the various takes and reactions they've had all week. I mean, as as we're seeing a lot of divided loyalties, and honestly, I've been a bit surprised at who's been part of which factions. Yes, I think we're seeing uh, uh, in this moment a little bit of uh, uh, perhaps uh, uh, relationships and and the strength of personal relationships uh over uh uh ideological position remember the the ideological divide between mccarthy and these six uh uh, republican congressmen is not vast the the, the ideological difference is very small so what you're on everything they agree on everything i mean except who ultimately gets to uh, uh, pull the lever and yeah. turn the lights off on American democracy. So it's not surprising you're seeing uh, 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 some of the divide. You're seeing the divide because there is a confidence in overall strength. They are feeling confident enough to, to jockey for a position. And at the end of the day, these six understand that McCarthy must have the number of votes needed to assume the chair and that gives them a lot of power their power is is dragging this out you know they're also very confident because despite their involvement in uh goading on the terrorist attack on our capital two years ago today none of them have faced any kind of sanction or censure we've seen some of the foot soldiers go to jail, but it's like the Confederacy all over again. The, the, the rich plantation owners are sending the poor, white, conservative schlubs to fight their battles for them. When you look at how you've got Matt Gates, who is being investigated for underage sex trafficking, Jim Jordan, we all know about him. It, it just seems like the confidence level we're seeing from these guys, it just shows that this insurrectionist movement is arguably even stronger. And I know that experts from the Western State Center, y'all monitor these extremist groups in the Pacific Northwest. And and in the last two years, far-right insurrectionists' movements have become bigger, haven't they? I mean, the militia groups, the rogue actors, um, and the people showing up just to disrupt school board meetings. Yes, I mean, absolutely. The, the insurrection moved from the Capitol uh, back into communities uh, around the country. Uh, uh, after January 6th. And there have been some uh, 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 things we should be proud of. The the Department of Justice, again, has aggressively sought to, to prosecute those who are engaged uh, in the insurrection at the Capitol. But as you point out, uh, uh, there have been no charges filed against those who engaged uh, 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 in stirring up the insurrection, those who may have orchestrated the uh, 
the insurrection. And so at, at the end of the day, those who orchestrated and uh, strategized are, are walking around free. Uh, uh, there are only a few individuals um, uh, who have paid the price uh, uh, at a high level. Now, yeah. there are a number of civil suits that have been filed. I think that that's critically important uh, 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 as well. But we have a long way to go. There are still 350 people being sought by the Department of Justice for uh, uh, their roles and participation on, on January 6th. But out in communities, the story has been much more horrifying. Yeah. Uh, 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 dozens of reports, uh, um, literally uh, uh, every month from around the country, from school board members to to librarians to healthcare workers to to elected officials to to government workers and of course members of the LGBTQIA community yes. who are telling of stories of of physical harassment, of intimidation, uh, of threats threats of violence, and of course we continue to see. Uh, individuals who have engaged in in mass violence, and uh, some have been arrested uh, uh, by the FBI. But but as we know, uh, other individuals have been able to act out on their acts of bigotry over the the last two years. Things have not changed out in the community. Uh, uh, we continue to to call on the federal government. Uh, to come to the aid and, and to provide relief to to local communities who are weathering much of the insurrection. Well, that's why I'm so inspired by what you're doing at Western State Center, because you are coming to the communities. This new toolkit that you have put together for yes. librarians and local communities, I mean, it's all about teaching people how to defend democracy at the at local level. Yes, it's it. We continue to, to Western State Center continues to to publish tools. Our, our latest uh, is a resource in collaboration with librarians who have been facing harassment uh, uh, for three years and uh, who understood that it was likely to get worse and wanted to figure out tools and and advice to provide uh, uh, to their colleagues. The the toolkit is available, of course, on, online. You can find it at westernstatecenter.org uh, and a host of other tools at the, at the end of the day. Uh, uh, Western State Center and other organizations as well uh, uh, have come to understand that our role in this moment is, is to let local communities know uh, that they are not alone, but we're not the federal government. We're not state government. Uh, uh, we don't have those resources. We don't have the deep staffing and, and capacity. Uh, why we will continue to make sure folks know that they are not alone in this moment, that we are the majority committed to an inclusive democracy. Uh, uh, we will conti continue to demand that the federal government step up and defend democracy. It is yeah. its job, its primary job. Eric Ward is executive VP at Race Ford and senior advisor to the Western States Center. Eric, what's the best way for our listeners to follow you and keep up with your work? You can find me individually at Bulldog uh, Shadow on Twitter, uh, but you can follow Western State Center uh, at Western State Center and at Race Ford on Twitter as well. I look forward to continue the conversation. Please come back anytime. It's always a great pleasure to have you here. Happy New Year to you and everybody for all the work you're doing. Have a great evening. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back with your calls at 866-997-4748. They're going to reassume the session of Congress in about 10 minutes. Don't go away. 
Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. So, you guys remember Build Back Better? It was going to be wonderful. It was going to change the country. And then they killed Build Back Better. And I hoped it would come back as Limp Back Later. But it actually came back as something much stronger than I ever thought it could be. The Inflation Reduction Act, also known as the Climate Bill. And as of this week, uh, a slate of new tax credits have become available to U.S. households who want to transition to cleaner energy consumption. Now, obviously, being a good person is fine. Uh, Helping your environment, helping your community is great. But that's not often enough to get people to make the leap. So how about taking advantage of tax credits that will yield significant cost savings for millions of Americans and create new high paying jobs and ensure a more secure and stable economy. I know, right? It's just incredible. Um, and the climate deniers, well, they just think we're doing all that for nothing. So Trevor Higgins is acting senior vice president for the energy and environmental department at American progress. He previously worked for Senator Dianne Feinstein in California as the legislative assistant responsible for energy, transportation, and climate change. It is a great pleasure to welcome Mr. Higgins to Sirius XM to talk about uh, the uh, IRA. Welcome, sir. Thank you for having me, John. Thank you. Happy New Year. It's great to have you with us. Um, I'm so excited about this because we're covering all of this cacophony that's going on in the House right now and all week long. And as all of this is happening, you've actually got real public servants dedicated to improving the lives of Americans and making the world safer for humans. And already the benefits are starting to roll out. Where do we begin to talk about the great stuff in this law? You know, I think people don't realize that last year we turned a corner on climate policy. It had been so long that we were working towards making progress. And a lot of times the conversations about what you have to give up or what we're going to what we have to fear. It turns out there's a really good policy solution available. And we just invest in the clean energy economy. And that's what the Congress did last year. And I think that 2023 is going to be the year where that really starts to sink in for people. Already, starting on January 1st of this year, new tax credits have been made available for homeowners uh, for the very first time. And for a long time, we've had EV credits for new purchases. But now for the very mm-hmm. first time, there are new tax credits available if you want to buy a used electric vehicle up to $4,000 off the cost. I think this is gonna. These are the sorts of things that are gonna make a big difference for a lot of people. So whether it's you know you're renovating your kitchen, you want to put it in an induction cooktop stove to get rid of the natural gas, or you're fixing up your uh, old natural gas furnace and you're gonna replace it with a new heat pump, all these things now become so much more affordable and easier for consumers to accomplish. And it's gonna make a big difference for our economy and for the climate. 
And it's going to really just help so many people save so much money on their energy expenses. I mean, you know, not just home heating or cooling, but also just driving. Can you explain a bit about the previously owned clean vehicles credit? Because, again, this is an example of there's so much goodies in this law. I think the greatest challenge now is to make sure people can find out about them. Yeah, that's right. Well, so if you go to a dealer now to get a used electric vehicle, you can get the $4,000 off that car. Best part is the dealer can lease the car the first time around and pass on up to $7,500 in cost savings to the first person who leases it. And then when they're done with the car and they sell it back and the dealer goes to sell it on to the second person, they get another $4,000 off. This is going to make EVs so much more affordable wow. for a much larger amount of larger portion of the population. And that's great because it can cost up to $1,000 less per year to drive an electric vehicle, given mm-hmm. how much cheaper electricity is than gasoline and how much more efficient these cars are. So it'll be not just spending $1,000 less a year on fuel costs, but also if you buy a previously owned electric vehicle, you can save a ton of money now. That's right. It, the bill will also help you afford to, to uh, up to 30% off the cost of installing a charger in your home. So if you want a faster charger than just what's on the wall socket, you get 30% off of that cost. And really? it's with the uh, inflation, the reduction act is really just kind of part two that part one of the investments came in the bipartisan infrastructure law, which included a lot of funding for public charging stations also to make sure that the network that California has been building is extended throughout the whole country so that if you want to go on vacation with your car, you'll be able to reach anywhere in the country uh, without having to worry about the range of the vehicle. How optimistic are you about uh, the availability and accessibility of electric vehicles? I mean, it's amazing to see the U.S. military embracing them so strongly. Uh, It's remarkable to see, you know, I don't rejoice in Elon Musk's uh, problems, but one of the reasons he's having them is that he's not the only electric vehicle titan in town anymore. And he has a lot of competition. Uh, You know, the demand for electric vehicles is not going to get smaller. Uh, Have you noticed a, a particularly notable increase and and i guess i would even say universal passion for adapting to uh cars of the future absolutely you know the thing that really convinced me i mean i knew academically there'd be a tipping point (laughs) but the thing that really convinced me is watching all of the advertising that the automakers are putting into this now when you look on tv the the cars that they're advertising are really predominantly electric vehicles they're better cars yeah. They drive better. They're more fun. They're cheaper. They're more reliable. They can they can uh, power your grid back in the evenings and help balance the load. There's just so many ways that these vehicles um, are going to be. People are going to think back at this time period and wonder why we didn't do them sooner. And I mean, you look at the fact that the Volt is one of the top selling electric cars in all of Europe, and they're manufactured right here in Dearborn, Illinois. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's actually a lot of money in these investments now, not only to help people afford these t- these cars, but to make sure that the jobs that are uh, involved in creating these cars happen here in the United States. So there's new incentives for building battery manufacturing facilities and for recycling the critical minerals in those batteries afterwards oh, here yeah. in the United States. And it's going to the the ramifications for all of these things from from cars to furnaces to solar panels they from from start to finish this bill is investing in every part of the economy to turn the corner on a clean energy future well let me ask you about the home improvement credit then uh, in the taxes because obviously 
you know, sure, it sounds great. I'd love to upgrade uh, my place, right? People would love to have new electrical systems put in or have new water heaters put in. But a lot of people don't do that, even if they'd like to for environmental reasons, because they're afraid of the cost. What kind of benefits are there to homeowners who adapt their homes to be more energy efficient under this law? Yeah, well, so this law has invested in a couple of different approaches that work together so that no matter whether you're a homeowner or a renter, there are going to be programs available to make it easier for you to save money through electrification of your home. So if you are a homeowner who winds up with the tax liability at the end of the year, there are new tax credits up to $2,000 for choosing a heat pump system when you replace your furnace next time. If you are a low-income homeowner, you can get up to 100% of the costs of installing a heat pump covered. That's if you were to add up all of the incentives available through the ta- through the tax credits for the vehicles, through the rebates available on home electrification, uh, a single household is eligible to up to twenty eight thousand dollars upfront cost. It's it's really 000? right. So I think most people will choose to do pieces of their of energy systems at a time. Not everyone's going to replace everything all at once, but right. the amount of investment that's going into help contractors understand these programs, to help the state energy offices advertise these programs, to reach out to communities, to uh, enlist uh, rent, land, landlords and renters uh, so that they can benefit everybody. It's really incredible. And I think you're going to see a real acceleration in the uh, adoption of these new highly efficient electric appliances for people's homes. It's, it's amazing. I mean, it's, it's going to take a while, I think, for the public at large to really understand um, if you want to put in new windows or skylights or insulation or heat pumps or new doors, you want to more efficiently regulate the temperature of your home. It just got a lot cheaper this week. That's right. Um, we also have we've extended the tax credits for solar rooftop solar. You know, there have been credits available for that for a long time. But mm-hmm. Congress kept extending them for little bits of time. In fact, sometimes they would do it retroactively. They'd say, hey, if you installed your solar panel last year, you can get the tax credit. And that didn't really provide much incentive for people because you wouldn't know for sure whether you could count on that tax credit. Now it's in place for a solid 10 years so that people who are building a new home or are deciding to install solar panels on their home today can make and plan those expenditures and count on the funding being available for uh, defraying their costs. So are we, are we talking about now the residential clean energy credit? That's right. Exactly. So this credit is available for rooftop solar. It can also be used for a variety of uh, energy efficiency improvements. There are, you can have um, heat source uh, geothermal installed. Uh, it's really the, the range of options available to fit each individual it's circumstance. Incredible. Yeah, it's very, it's, it's really well thought through and um, it, it's going to be, making an effect on our economy for a a whole decade to come. And this includes like small scale wind, right? On your property. You can have that. Sure. uh, Sure. Get a tax credit for that. So you can put a a small turbine on your, on your farm and it can power your equipment on the farm or, you know, whatever, wherever you want to install these pieces of equipment. It's really incredible. So we're looking at now that you're going to save money. Uh, It's going to help us transition to electric vehicles and renewable energy and more efficient homes, uh, which will keep the consumers safer against energy price hikes. I mean, what more would you like to see next? It seems like the next big thing is always a million little things. And what's so inspiring about this law is just there's so much packed into those thousands of pages that for the families that become aware of it and, and can take advantage of these tax credits, 
it's going to really begin to change the price of your energy bill and your fuel costs in general. It really will. And, you know, it it makes a huge difference for the way that people experience the new clean energy economy. These tax credits come with incentives for high paying wages and for opportunities for apprenticeships so that unions can train new workers to take advantage of these credits. It's going to mean that as the clean energy economy is built, the constituencies who realize what they get out of this uh, economic transformation are going to grow and grow. Uh, it's going to be a self-sustaining transition now from here on out. Let me ask a dumb question, because a lot of folks I talk to about electric vehicles all, all say, well, uh, I'm afraid there's not enough charging stations. That's something that holds some people back from taking the mm-hmm. leap, uh, that there aren't enough, you know, <laughs> driving long distances can be scary for some people. And, and some even worry, how can, how can the grid meet all this demand with all these new electric vehicles? What do you say to those concerns? I mean, does the law account in any way to give us more charging stations? It really does. So uh, the president has set a goal for building 500,000 charging stations to complete the nationwide network so that when you're taking that trip for the 4th of July or for Christmas to go back home, you can count on having a charging station wherever you might need it. Plus, the advancements that are happening right now in batteries mean that the range of these vehicles is growing and growing and growing, often exceeding even the range of a internal combustion engine vehicle that you might drive with gasoline. And the best part is that most people drive 90% of trips are less than 15 miles long, right? Hmm. And typically people are able to charge these vehicles overnight at home, never have to stop to fill up again. Uh, So your commute is just that much simpler. You just wake up in the morning and the car's already charged and ready to go. I think that's gonna make a big difference. And for the utilities, there is funding in here for improving transmission, for improving battery energy storage, for integrating the electricity grid with the vehicles that are charging at home. In a way, this is going to make the entire grid more reliable because we're changing when we're charging. We can be adaptive to when there's a high heat alert. People can turn on their batteries and help power the grid or they can stop charging when when demand is high. So the opportunities here to just be so much more flexible in the face of the extreme weather that climate change is causing is um, really going to increase. Yeah, pardon me if I'm a little bit, you know, unsettled. I'm not used to government doing this much actual stuff for people in one law. But I think maybe the most inspiring thing, the most progressive aspect of this entire bill seems to be how they're they seem to they've really designed it to reach communities that have been historically underserved, shall we say, that uh, disadvantaged communities will still be able to benefit from these very public investments. I mean, we know that poor people suffer the burden of pollution more than anyone else. I mean, and it's a form of economic discrimination. How does this climate bill begin to address that? There are really important set asides in this bill so that 40% of the investments can uh, be guaranteed to go for the benefit of disadvantaged communities. And that is accomplished through a a number of different factors. So one is, I was talking a lot about tax credits before, but this bill invests also in specifically in rebates so that even households that don't have federal income tax liability or don't want to wait for a whole year to get their rebate check, they can get the funding up front through a rebate uh, right at the point of sale. So that's like a great benefit. There's also dedicated programs to build the capacity of disadvantaged communities to apply for grants. There are so many great programs in the federal government, but you need to hire lobbyists to help you make your application. And it's Mm -hmm. confusing, but there's funding in here to simplify that process, to do better outreach, to 
uh, support communities who are trying to make applications to do better planning, to consult with the communities, to make sure we understand what it is exactly that they see as the needs on the ground. This right. will make a big difference. So there's funding now for not only rooftop solar for your house, but for community solar so that you can work together to put it on your library or the community garden. It's really, it's just going to change the way that um, the, the federal government relates to the communities where we live. Honestly, I, I, I just want to jump in a time machine and see how all this looks 50 years down the road from now, because it just feels like a very auspicious beginning. Before I let you go, Mr. Higgins, I thank you for your time. What do you want to see next? What do you need to have happen legislatively? With all yeah, the well, success in this bill, what do we need to be thinking about and talking about and pressuring our legislators for? Sure. Well, you know, the great thing is, especially given the dysfunction we're seeing right now in the House, which can't even elect its speaker, the great news is that this bill equips the federal government with all the tools it needs to accomplish our climate goals. By itself, the bill gets us to 40% below our greenhouse gas emissions by 2030. We need to get to 50%. That extra 10% is going to come from in implementing the Clean Air Act and changing the way that power plants are allowed to pollute. And the amazing thing is the way these things fit together. By changing the economics of clean energy, these investments are going to make it so much easier for all of the other actions the federal government is taking to advance climate change. And that goes not just for meeting our own emissions, but for convincing the rest of the world to cut their emissions too. So it's really a beneficial cycle. And it's time now for the administration to implement this law. We, we don't, they don't need to ask permission from a dysfunctional house of representatives. At this point, <laughs> they've got all the tools that they need to put us on the path to a, a you know, clean future. A razor thin majority. This shows why every election matters so much. I'm, I'm very excited about the rollout of the Inflation Reduction Act. And you've outlined beautifully how, how it's going to lower costs for people. It's going to encourage investment in cheaper and cleaner renewables. And, you know, the tax credit programs is just going to save everybody a lot of money. Uh, Mr. Higgins, how can our listeners who'd like to learn more, find out more? Where do you recommend people go to learn about what's in this law and how their families can take advantage of the benefits? The best new resource is put up uh, by the White House. It's cleanenergy.gov, and it contains links to all of the new tax credits that have been created and uh, is updating itself as new auto manufacturers become eligible for the tax credits uh, and new manufacturers onshore their jobs here in the United States. So that's a great resource for consumers who are looking to take advantage of these investments, cleanenergy.gov. Trevor Higgins is acting senior VP for the Energy and Environment Department at Center for American Progress. It is such a pleasure to have you with us. Happy New Year. And please come back anytime. I'd love to talk more about uh, the amazing benefits in this new law. Thank you so much, John. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you. We are going to take a very quick break. And when we come back, we'll be taking your calls at 866-997-4748. And who knows, maybe bringing you some live highlights from the dumpster fire inside a shit show inside a clusterfuck, inside a train wreck that is our Congress. We'll be right back. Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. 
Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Welcome back to Sirius XM Progress. I'm John Fugelsang. We're at 866 866- Nine nine seven forty seven forty eight, and we are watching this dumpster fire clown car shit show amateur hour balls up badass at Michigan's hot mess foobar circle jerk snafu fiasco cock up train wreck debacle goat rodeo clusterfuck hellscape Christo fascist dick dance that is the Congressional Republican Party. It has gotten uglier. It has gotten weirder minute by minute. Right now, right now, former young gun, the man who wants to be Speaker of the House is desperately standing up to Matt Gates, pathetically, standing while Gates sits comfortably, begging him, begging him on national TV, because there is no speaker, so the C-SPAN cameras are allowed to film the entire chamber. Kevin McCarthy has lost his 14th consecutive ballot for speaker. They came out and pretty much guaranteed they were going to win this time. And now they are arguing on the floor and the cameras are filming it. People are being pulled back. I keep thinking we are just one swung Patrick. fist away from looking like some classic fights in Korean parliament or Italian parliament. Patrick McHenry. Patrick McHenry and some other McCarthy acolytes uh, spent a while. They're still talking to Matt Gates, trying to basically before the vote closes, he can flip his vote from present to McCarthy. And that's what they needed him to do. Vote for McCarthy. Voting right. present stalls this thing out. And there was lots of finger pointing. McCarthy stormed off twice. They basically had to restrain him. Like the guys locked arms to keep McCarthy from getting closer to Gates. Mm -hmm. Um, And now there's still heated discussions going on. Heated. I mean, um, we've heard shouting from the C-SPAN cameras, uh, shouting in between Republicans on the floor. Uh, Seemingly Democrats aren't really minding all this. But again, you know, McCarthy was just a few minutes ago forced to walk up to Gates while Gates remained comfortably sitting at his chair, and McCarthy was standing in the aisle begging him on camera to please let him be his boss. Folks, I mean, normally you want to see humiliation like this. You've got to join certain fetish groups. And it couldn't happen to a more deserving guy because, again, Kevin McCarthy could have forced Matt Gates to step down after the allegations that he had paid for sex with an underage call girl. He could have kicked Lauren Boebert out when she was tweeting the location of Speaker Pelosi during the riot. He could have gotten rid of both of these guys and he'd be speaker right now. But uh, as our friends at the Lincoln Project said, the problem with sacrificing principles for power is you end up with neither. And by the way, Matt Gates sent a fundraising appeal tonight, went out around 6 p.m. Gates for Congress. And it said, uh, breaking, I stood strong against Kevin McCarthy. 
So <laughs> it's just shocking. Uh, there I've never are seen so this kind of disunity in the party. Sour pusses and grimaces on the C-SPAN cameras right now. And I just want to push this the volume up. This is... Have you ever been somewhere like at a party and like someone has a real like breakdown or blow up and like snaps at somebody else? Always. And then, then, (laughs) yeah, usually it's me. Um, And then the whole rest of the party gets like really awkward and like kind of like that's what's happening right now in the house. Yeah, it's it's getting ugly. And again, like Matt Gates at six o'clock, he sent out this fundraising email bragging that he stood strong against Kevin McCarthy and never gave in. In spite of this, McCarthy must have thought that Gates was somehow going to change and vote for him. I mean, Gates went on Hannity and referred to McCarthy as the speaker, what is it, speaker designate? <laughs> and then he left the room during the vote so he could come back and be the deciding final vote. And it looks like here's Matt Gates playing Carrie at the prom. Boom. Kevin McCarthy will not be the next speaker unless he can somehow get Matt Gates to change his mind. <laughs> and it's just a cult of selfish, greedy, ignorant people who try to get selfish, greedy, ignorant Americans to vote for them. And we're shocked that the most selfish people in America, these petulant, entitled brats, can't find consensus. If they push this to a 15th vote, tonight i feel like it's getting late in the night these people did not want to be here for this uh now you get to the point where like you might get some i don't know i'm wondering if you start to get some democrat votes to just nope like they they got a whole right I'll, I'll, i'll bet you money the democrats will not vote for a compromise candidate democrats love this this is setting the tone for the next two years democrats are going to fundraise off of this I mean, their job is getting much easier. All they've got to do is show how united they are. And Hakeem Jeffries is the most relaxed guy in the room. The Democrats, I don't see them doing anything that would help elect any Republican. They're going to make these guys squirm. And again, you know, Kevin McCarthy had an affair. Matt Gates trafficked teenage girls. Jim Jordan covered up sexual abuse of wrestlers at Ohio State. Donald Trump assaulted at least 25 women. Rudy Giuliani's been accused of sexual harassment today. Match lap, grab the crotch of some guy on Herschel Walker's campaign. Don't you Republicans see? You have so much in common. Your commonalities outweigh your differences. <laughs> Rachel in L.A., welcome to the party. Hi. Oh, hi. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I did, when, when McCarthy was all mad a few minutes ago, it did feel good. Like, <laughs> he looked really pissed. Which was nice, but he but he looked but he he looked he didn't look pissed. He looked impotent. He looked weak. Yes. He looked helpless. Yeah, he's yes. begging this this toady. Yes. Yeah, he's begging this toady to please let me be your boss. Please, please, I'll do anything you want. I'll let you have the speaker's office as your office. And and again, this is the deal with Kevin McCarthy. He doesn't have any money, right? So so he's in a tough place because he he's going to have to be a lobbyist when he leaves office. Eventually, that's that's how it works. You got to be a lobbyist somewhere. And if he embarrasses himself too much, he's going to have a very shitty lobbyist career to look forward to. He needs to wrap this thing up. But I don't think Kevin McCarthy's going to dig in, give up either. He has spent 16 years working toward this humiliation, and he's too damn stupid. And we can say he's stupid, Rachel, right? I mean, he, yes. to, to yes. move your furniture into the Speaker's office before you had the votes, we can, we can use the S word. He's stupid. And he's yes. too stupid to realize that being Speaker 
would be the most miserable experience of his life. Oh, my God. I keep thinking, I, I liked it when Michael Moore, you know, was the optimist. And he's like, well, if we could just get some, de- you know, Republicans to vote for the Democrat, it's like Jeffries would be so much better than any of them. Like, they don't have anyone. They don't have any anything. Like, you know, you're right. And Matt Gates told the truth this week. He, he said he actually said that they'd rather have a, a Democratic speaker of the House than have McCarthy. And I believe he means it because why should they want a Republican speaker of the House? They're not going to do anything. They're not going to pass any legislation to help non-millionaires. They're not going to work on education. They're not going to work on, on the environment. No. What they want is a Democrat they can point at and heckle and fundraise off of and demonize. That's all they know how to do. They can't govern and they don't want to learn. I actually believe that several of these far right Tea Party MAGA fascists would love. They can't vote for Hakeem Jeffries because they know that they'd be burned at the, by the folks back home and they'd get primaried. But mm-hmm. they love to just have another black man, an articulate black man that they can hate and fundraise off of. And we know they can do that. We know how they do it. Well, I mean, I just hope, you know, um, like like Kathy Griffin was today, like saying, you know, oh, I'm really worried about what he's, you know, giving up to get the, you know, he's like selling him everything, his soul, our soul, the country, like everything. So we can get this fucking speakership thing. Yeah. Um, You know, I mean, it is I mean, you know, they don't have that much power without the other two branches, but they do have power. I mean, you know, uh, yeah, Congress. They do. They do. But again, you know, what's going to happen? He's going to make these concessions and promise to the Sedition Caucus, hey, you know what we'll do? Uh, let's have all the cuts to Social Security you want, all the cuts to Medicare you want. But just because the Republican Party in the House doesn't mm-hmm. like that and wants to cut those entitlement programs, mm-hmm. it doesn't mean a Democratic Senate and a White House are going to let them do it. And we've seen what this Democratic Party can do with a razor thin majority. I, right. I, I don't think any president is ever going to sign off on being the president who cut Social Security and Medicare. I just, they, they talk, it's a big game. They talk about doing it. They call them entitlements because they won't call them earned benefits, which is what they are. So they'll talk a big game out about doing this and they'll raise money from Wall Street for promising to get rid of this or privatize Social Security. That was Bush's great dream. Bush got to, Bush got so much of what he wanted, he never got to turn Social Security into a big scratch-off scheme. The hang House clerk is speaking hang now. On, hang on one on. second, Rachel. Sorry. <laughs> oh, it's chaos. It's wow. chaos. It, the Democrats Parliament? are screaming no. Parliament? Democrats Democrats want to stay there all night. Now drag it out. They'll drag it out. This is what they did every day. The Democrats drag out the no. Oh! Now Scalise is going to ask for a count. Wow. So now they're going to count. Okay. So while we wait to <laughs> find out to if this is going to happen, Rachel, <laughs> I hope you enjoyed the screaming while uh, we put you on hold there for a second. Oh, no problem. I'm, I'm watching it right with you. I'm watching this go on. I could hear the same thing on my TV. You know, I mean, Jamie Raskin had like chemo today and he still has to be there. Like there's people yeah. with their kids. Like it's so rude that they can't. I mean, they just they're just so rude and selfish, like you said. I mean, but don't forget the day after Jamie Raskin lost his son, yeah. he showed up. He it was two years ago today, the day yeah. after his son died, he showed up at the Capitol to vote to certify the presidential election, and he was there for the terrorist attack. So that's the kind of yeah. guy he is. And that's so cool that you played at his birthday party. It was very fun. He's a lovely man. <laughs> that's really cool. Yeah. By the way, if you if you watch the clip from when McCarthy goes up and everyone should do this, just watch mm-hmm. watch the audio of, of Kevin McCarthy when he he doesn't summon Matt Gates to come down to to him. 
he stands and he walks to the back to Matt Gates's row and he stands in the aisle begging on camera while Gates smugly sits next to Lady Blah Blah. And if you actually listen to the audio, you can hear one of the Democrats yell on your knees. Really? You can hear a Democrat yell on your knees to McCarthy. Folks, this is this is not something that happens in our Congress. We we're used to seeing this happen overseas. It's kind of hilarious. This is Donald Trumpism. This is the power yeah. of Trump. Well, Chaos is the reason. Something about him. I mean, he, he, why is he out whipping people? He should be fucking in jail. He stole our shit. Like, no, let me tell you something. He's got our stuff. Donald Trump's done. He's done like disco. He's done like shoulder pads. Donald Trump told all of them to vote for Kevin McCarthy after the humiliating first day. He put out a statement yeah. and he said, vote for him. He'll be a good speaker. Who knows? Maybe even one day he'll be great. <laughs> Holy crap. Tepid is the new black. And Trump made the appeal after the first day of losses. He told them all, all of his loyalists, Lauren Boebert and, 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 and Matt Gates and all of them suckling at Trump's satanic teats. And he told them, no, you vote for McCarthy. And they blew Trump off. Donald Trump should be furious at how emasculating this was, but I bet he's not. Being a weasel, Trump will be on the anti-Kevin bandwagon by Monday yeah. to avoid and looking like an Matt angry Clapp? loser. What happened with that? You have the best, this little, you know, pieces of stuff. Like, what is this match lap thing? The Match Lap story is completely fascinating. He's 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 a bad guy. You know, Match Lap is just uh, not yes, what we call a, uh-huh. a good person. And he was down right. visiting Georgia um, and the Herschel Walker campaign asked this one young man in his 20s to drive him around. And uh, the the guy oh. gave a whole big statement and he, he record he recorded his testimony that night. You know, <gasps> Matt, Matt Schlapp said to him, hey, let's go out for drinks later on. And uh, the young guy thought, well, I'm trying to get ahead in Republican politics. This guy's a big figure in Republican politics. So, sure, what's the harm of it? And uh, apparently Matt was, I mean, grabbing the guy, grabbing him in his car, rubbing his junk, the whole, you know, oh all, all, the, all the good things. And this is homophobic Matt Schlapp, husband of Mercedes Schlapp. I was about um, to say, is she his sister or his wife? <laughs> Well, it's fascinating to see this now because he so the, the, the guy went back to his hotel and, you know, he, he, he said at one point it was a public space. I was thinking he got the hint. I didn't want to embarrass him. But he went back to his hotel room and recorded a video testimonial explaining exactly what happened, told people in the campaign, oh told everyone. So they oh all God. knew. They all knew. OK, <laughs> so smart, this just huh? came out because he sent the tapes to Daily Beast and, you know, the Schlapp family has just said uh, Matt Schlapp denies any improper behavior. He doesn't uh, deny grabbing the guy's dick. He just denied any <laughs> improper behavior. Oh, my God. Isn't it always, it's always the homophobes who want to have it both ways. Totally. And then also Giuliani. That is so gross that anyone had to have sex with him. Ew. I saw the Did girl. She looked kind of pretty. Like She was pretty. She's only 43, and he drinks she the blood of young. orphans. But, I mean, did you see <laughs> Borat 2? Like, how can yeah. you ever, how can you ever hook up with Rudy Giuliani after yeah. watching him with a 15-year-old girl? I mean, she wasn't really 15, yeah. but he thought she was. <laughs> oh, my God, dude. America, man. <laughs> so Mercury retrograde all this stuff, too, you know. What's going to happen tomorrow morning when Rudy sobers up and reads the articles and knows this lawsuit's happening? That's what I'm worried about. Rachel, thank you so much for calling. Thank you. Happy New Year. Have a year. great evening. Thank you. We're at 866-997-4748. Michael in the Bronx, I'm dying to know your thoughts. Good evening. <laughs> What's up, John? How are you, sir? <laughs> oh, gosh. This is 
you know, everyone's calling it a shit show, but I call this um, the same title as a Blue Magic early 70s hit, Sideshow. In fact, <laughs> I'm out of karaoke, and I was just singing that song, and I said, this is the state of the United States Congress House of Representatives, courtesy of the Republicans. Yeah, it's they the state of the Republican, the Republican House of Representatives. The Democrats are uh, in array, as they say. Right. But still, they are a sideshow. And what's also the funny thing, I keep hearing people saying, you know, get your popcorn ready. Sorry, I'm not a popcorn person, but I have plenty of pretzels, which is just as appropriate. Very because good. they are twisted, just like um, I would say the Republicans are more twisted than the damn pretzels. There right, you go. And enjoy, it doesn't matter, pretzels or, or popcorn, just in, enjoy your processed food with salt. That's what I say. That's what, that's what America's yeah. all about. Yeah, but you know what's so strange, John? These are the same Republicans that have been sabotaging and obstructing any and all Democratic progress. I mean, yes, Democrats right. have gotten a lot done, but there could have been a lot more done. Yes had it not been for the obstructionism and the sabotage. And then they're going to say, see, the Democrats cannot govern. Put us back in charge. We'll get things done for you. Yeah, it's all projection. Oh, right. shit. And the quite evidence is right here before our very eyes for the past freaking week. They can't even get their own shit together. How the hell does anyone respect um to rely upon Republicans getting stuff done for the American people. And I say, thank God for how no one does. Jeffrey. No one does. That's not what Republicanism's about anymore. It's about owning that. the libs and being blindly obedient to a racist game show host from Queens. That's what Republican Party is about now. Yeah, but then thank God for Hakeem Jeffries, who day by day is reminding the American people of what the Democrats stand for, that it's the Democrats walking the walk and doing things, getting things done we'll for the American people, and we'll not the Republicans. Remind we'll everybody of what the Republicans are really about. It's a day-by-day -day reminder, but we don't want any, um, what's that term, voter amnesia. So I hope to God people are finally, finally learning the lesson. Cannot, cannot trust these Republicans ever. Don't freaking vote them back into office. Don't. Amen. I don't care yeah. about the gerrymandering. Yes, the gerrymandering is a big problem, but we can overcome that if people remain focused. Don't if Americans remain focused and if Americans remain engaged, you know as well as I do that, you know, the American attention span is like the guy from Memento. They're going to forget about this by March. No one's going to remember these ugly early days in January. It'll be this wacky thing in the year-end reviews. Remember how the year began with that crazy business with Kevin McCarthy trying to be Speaker? Oh, yeah, that dragged on like a bad marriage. It's going to be forgotten. But the hope the Democrats really have to have is that this sets the tone and that this continues and that this is remembered because the dysfunction's not going to go away. If Kevin McCarthy, at this point, Democrats should pray McCarthy gets the speaker's position because he will be the weakest speaker the Republicans could possibly have in power. Scalise would be much stronger. Well, you know something, John? I don't think this time people are going to forget only because, A, Republicans are always doing some kind of stupid shit. It's mm -hmm. one scandal after another after another. We're still dealing with George Santos, if that's his real name, if you get my drift. And then now you just mentioned about this other guy grabbing somebody else's package. 
I mean, yeah. it's one scandal after another. So if you're stacking the shit up high, how the hell are people going to forget that? And then, boom, next week there'll be another scandal coming up. And then, in the end of the day, you have people like you, people like me, and people like Hakeem Jeffries and other faithful callers reminding everybody of this and that, keeping yeah. one another informed, keeping one another focused. Well, do me a favor. Just watch what you say about George Santos, because he fought for our country in Iwo Jima, and uh, we owe him a lot. He's part of the greatest generation. At least that's what he told me. So have some respect for his service in World War II, okay? Um, when he shows us the evidence, maybe I'll probably believe it, because I can't believe a fucking word he ever says. Nor should you. But here's the whole point. He's the perfect guy. I mean, how many politicians lie to get their jobs? Santos just did it on a much grander scale. But I mean, he's literally in a caucus of liars. He's in a whole right. group of people who are still saying that Joe Biden somehow and the Democratic Party rigged the 2020. And don't forget, when these liars say they rigged the election, what they're saying is the Democrats in 2020 rigged the election nationwide so that Joe Biden became the president um, and they lost seats in the House and they didn't win the Senate. They had to wait a month for two runoffs to find out. That was the worst rigging anyone's ever undertaken. You have to be stupid to believe it and you've got to be evil to spread it. Well, let this be a lesson to everybody. Anytime, moving forward, anytime and anything Republicans falsely accuse Democrats of, the reality is, and I've noticed this pattern, John, the reality is they're the ones committing the shit. Not the yeah. Democrats, but them. They commit the shit and they falsely point the finger towards us. You're right. And then, the, and then the other thing about George Santos, if you or I or any of our regular listeners done what he's did in order to get on the job or something, not only would we have been fired on the spot, but we could have faced criminal charges for one simple five-letter F word. And you know That's what right. that F word is? Fraud. And fraud right. is a crime. Hmm. It's a freaking crime. Yeah, I know, but it's also an epidemic, Michael, and uh, it's allowed to grow freely. I thank you very much for the call. If you're playing along the home game, they're doing another vote in the House. But it's not another vote for the speaker. It's a vote on whether they should have another vote or just go home. This is Sirius XM. I'm John Fugel saying peace. Peace.